Welcome, everybody. This is Paul with the Discovery Podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about substance abuse. Um, Ray, you want to go ahead and uh, do this presentation, buddy? Yeah, I'll take it from here, Paul. Thanks for that introduction. Um, I wanted to talk about substance abuse, and uh, it's interesting because as I was thinking about what I would talk about or how I would approach the subject, I knew I was getting close to a milestone in my own journey, and uh, so all day I've been meaning to check my uh, my counter. I've, I've got a a calendar where I've set the day and the time that I that I quit. It's actually an app, um, and I, I thought I was close to the 30 day mark, but for sure. I wanted to be certain I checked, and, and actually I, today I'm at 30 days in, in like three hours. So um, it felt like the right time to, to be talking about it, and um, I'm happy that it's actually on my 30-day, my one-month mark, that, that I have the opportunity to, to talk about it and share a little bit about my own experience. Um, substance abuse is a very, um, very deep, problem in in our country and in the world and the way that affects so many millions of people every year. I think it's it's quite interesting that as as devastating and as as destructive as it is to people, not not only in taking their lives, but to the people around them and uh even up until the point where people lose their lose their life to the to the uh fight the way that it deteriorates the mind and the and the person's ability to uh, interact socially and, and conduct themselves in a meaningful way in society. Um, I do have some statistics here, some some facts, just to uh, paint a, a, a grim picture on, on the reality of the, the situation. Um, according to a national survey on drug use and health in 2020, it's estimated that 21 million people aged 12 or older had some sort of substance use disorder. Um, and then that's just in the past year. So, in the, you know, 2020, 21 million people within the prior year to that study being done uh, has, and this is just what they've got on record. You got to keep in mind in any of these sort of uh, numbers, this is just what they've got available to them. These are people that either in the system going through some sort of program, um, showing up in a hospital as some sort of result of an overdose or uh, an addiction. 21 million people. These are numbers that um, we, we see, you know, in wars and things like that. And, you know, devastation on mass, massive scales, um, but then that's that's the amount of people that are dealing with some sort of substance abuse disorder. Um, the opioid epidemic, which is one of the biggest, but by far is not the biggest, uh, has taken more than five hundred thousand lives between nineteen ninety nine and two thousand nineteen. So within twenty years, more than a half a million people have died. Uh, from just from opioid overdoses that that number seems like a 
that's a lot of people, especially if you're thinking of, you know, these are family members, these are brothers, sisters, fathers, daughters that have lost their life behind an, an addiction to a, a a substance. But the the most widely common, available, and uh, used substances that there that there is is alcohol. And uh, some of the numbers that I found were very alarming. Um, but first I want to share that it, when I was thinking about, you know, and preparing for this presentation, I started to think, you know, alcohol and tobacco, being the two, the two top substances used, being that they're both legal, so that does contribute to them, them being, you know, the most widely available and the most commonly used how much money is put behind advertising. So there, you know, anybody who's, who knows anything about advertising, it's, the goal is to get into the mind of the, of the customer, the potential customer. So this is, this is the amount of money that goes behind making these products um, tempting and tantalizing, persuasive, to the potential customer, active campaigns in order to seduce people into using these substances. And then I'll share how many lives are are lost annually. Uh, $25 billion per year is the the amount of money that is spent globally advertising for alcohol and tobacco products. so I just I, I really find that I've always thought that about alcohol. Um, it, my personal vice has always been marijuana. That's what it's uh, today's been thirty days clean from from uh, from smoking. I'm grateful that I've never gotten hooked on the alcohol because as as destructive as marijuana can be. Uh, to a person's productivity, their self-image, things like that. Alcohol can outright take a person's life from one night, you know, of, of having, you know, starts out as having a little fun, you get carried away, peer pressure. Uh, that's something I see all the time. People are saying, ah, just, oh, don't be a lightweight, you know. Uh, man up, put some hair on your chest, you know. So imagine how many nights that led to uh, alcohol poisoning and a person losing their life. It could have been their first night drinking. It doesn't even have to be an ongoing uh, problem. But I've always found it interesting that in spite of that, it's not only legal, but it's aggressively promoted by these companies for profit with no regard to the effects that it has on people, which some of it I can understand from the standpoint that people are free, individuals uh, free to make their own choice, but I just find it inter- interesting that with it being such a toxic substance and such a clear, devastating toll that it takes on people's lives, um, how it, how much money did they put into promoting this into people's lives? And this is not to mention um, music and other things like that where people are voluntarily um, promoting their lifestyle. The uh, the revenues, and which is why you you can see why they would put so much money into the advertisement, is 
$814 billion, and this is just in 2020, um, and that was, that was for the tobacco industry. So global revenue for tobacco industry was estimated at approximately $814 billion in 2020, while the global revenue for the alcohol industry was est- estimated to be approximately $1.5 trillion. So you're looking at well over $2 trillion in annual profits. This is just in 2020 for those two industries. So that's that's the sort of money that is being made uh, while people destroy their lives. Um, I don't think there's any statistics out there that show where alcohol or tobacco has enhanced anyone's life in any meaningful way um, other than maybe their coping mechanisms for dealing with other uh, other other issues, which that could be a whole other topic is the mental the mental disorders that underlie typically these sort of substance abuses. Um, which brings me to the death toll. Alcohol consumption is estimated to be responsible for three million deaths per year worldwide which represents 5% of all deaths. So 3 million people per year in some way associated with the use of alcohol. And uh, that number, a half a million, was for just opioid overdoses. But around that same number, over half a million, just under 600,000 people died from drug use disorders. And this is just in 2019. Uh, but around that is is the average per year from some sort of drug use disorder, whether it be overdose from heroin or meth or um, some sort of direct or indirect link to some sort of addiction to a drug. Um, and so those numbers, and usually for me at least, those sort of numbers make uh, – a problem that, like, like I said, uh, surprisingly is is just commonplace. I mean, very decent and sensible people, it seems, it would, wouldn't be far-fetched at all uh, for them to bring out a bottle of, you know, uh, strong liquor during any any uh, social gathering or, or holiday or sometimes just because it's the weekend and, you know, blatantly peer pressure people into to partaking, you know, as, as, as if it's even, it's even rude to, to turn it down. You know, uh, I've seen people that you wouldn't imagine take it offensively, you know, at least in their tone is that, Oh man, you, you can't at least have a drink with us. And this might be a person that's either struggled with it personally, or prefer to stay out of that um, that circle, so that so that they don't end up in that boat where they're struggling with it. Maybe they've seen a family member or watched someone destroy their life by it. But you know, seemingly decent people would make that person feel out of place because they wouldn't want to partake partake in something that's clearly toxic and destructive and devastating to to many, many lives. Takes just alcohol alone takes three million lives per year on average. 
Um, I think that's one of the most uh, shocking uh, ironies that, that there is. Um, my own personal experience that has been with marijuana and for over 10 years I've attempted to quit. One of the greatest insights that I've realized here recently is that no matter how long it takes, it's all a process. And I've seen that within this past 30 days. And I don't claim anymore to be completely free from it. And I've seen that. I've heard that in the AA meetings and stuff like that. They they submit to their problem and acceptance that they have an addiction. It's something that, you know, it, it lives with you. It's a part of your personality that you have, you know, perhaps an addictive personality. You're, you're uh, susceptible to addiction, to becoming hooked on, onto something for some reason or another. The the uh the way forward is to deal with that each and every day and that's like anything else in our life you know i learned a lot from that and i'm able to apply that to other areas of my life that each and every day you have to you know as long as you have an opportunity to you wake up and you apply yourself towards whatever it is that you want out of life that never ends you never overcome that dilemma you know, there's no amount of work that you can do, uh, even if you spend your year in a, your life in a in a certain career industry and you retire. You still have to wake up and then apply yourself to how you're going to spend your retirement, or else, you know, you'll you'll wither away. You'll you'll apathy. You you know, many people have retired and not long after they they roll over and die, and it's you know hard to explain in any you know, so to most people, they were just fine, you know, up until that point. It seems clear that when people lose their drive, they lose their sense of purpose, they lose their their need to be on earth anymore. So, you know, I think that that same truth applies, that you, you have to wake up and you have to apply yourself to whatever it is, whether it's how you live, you know, how you spend your retirement, how you stay active, how you maintain a sense of purpose or whether it is your career or, or it's a, a goal or it's overcoming a, overcoming an, an, an addiction. It's how you wake up each and every day and apply yourself towards that, that objective. Um, so for me, I don't claim to be uh, free from it, to have overcome it. And I finally quit and I'll never have that problem again in my life. Uh, I don't even think of it that way. But I, I do realize that I have uh, each and every time have gotten better. I, I've, I'm able to see the long term in it where each time that I quit, whether it be for 30 days, my my streak is usually around three months, where in the past there's been a few times where I've made it to three months. And, uh, and it seems that I would struggle around that time. Um, 30 days is 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 still a, a major achievement for me, uh, especially the past couple of years of my life. I don't think I've made it 30 days uh, before now. But I just I just realized that each and every time 
I get better. I think one of the most difficult things for me is achieving a new normal, being able to establish a new normal. I, I spent a lot of time and put a lot of work into that this go around is instead of just marking the numbers on a, on a calendar and getting through X amount of days, how do I actually reprogram my behaviors, my daily habits and, and get used to a new normal? Because I've, you know, I've been addicted to the substance since I was 14 years old. So um, being 35 years now, we're talking 20 years of establishing uh, an identity and uh, uh, perpetual habit of behaviors where that's who I was. That's what I dealt with. That's, that was, it was a part of who I, uh, you know, who I woke up as and what I did in, in, in my life each and every day. So without that crutch, it, it leaves you very vulnerable. And in that vulnerable state, you have to, you have to apply a lot of effort towards creating a new normal, creating new habits and a new identity as a person who doesn't need that, you know, in their life anymore. And just reflecting on how each and every time I've gotten better at approaching that and, and actually uh, carrying that out in my life. And I, I'm a part of a, a network on uh online this app's called grounded another app that i have used in the past is uh marijuana's anonymous marijuana anonymous so it that one follows the principles of aa they just apply it to a different substance and um i think that over the years that's something that's helped me a lot through each attempt is to be able to get on there and speak to people who are going through it um on the grounded app they've got a community section where you can just uh you know i've got several um, entries where I just went in and just said a few sentences about what I was going through at that time. Other people would comment and give their, you know, support and vice versa. And I think um, that is a, a huge part of it to open up to someone or to some community and, and be able to talk about it. Otherwise, it's easy to get locked in, you know, to your own bubble. And uh, that's a that's a very dark place to be and very uh, – uh, unproductive, and especially when trying to uh, take on something as, as big as this. Um, but one thing I noticed is people that would uh, relapse, um, they'd have a moment of weakness, and they would feel like they, they failed themselves. And I think that's something that stood out to me the most during this 30-day period is that everything I've ever done up until this point contributed to this point so that in the past I never failed each attempt was moving forward and uh, that's just another tool of it you know it's going to want you to think that if you slip if you you have a flaw you, you have an error you make a mistake that you failed and that there's no use and that allows you to completely overlook that each attempt you're you're getting better you're getting better at this you're uh, becoming more um, – you're programming yourself for this new identity, for this new life, this new reality. It doesn't happen in one shot. It doesn't happen all overnight. It doesn't happen in one day. Um, so that was a big, big part for me 
and um, you know, it's it's uh, something that I, I wish for each and every person dealing with any sort of uh, addiction that they take a long look in the mirror and ask themselves if it's uh, it, you know if they deserve it. And if they believe that they deserve something better, I I hope that they eventually find the courage and the strength to apply that effort for themselves. And, um, you know, we talked about in the last episode about self-love. It has a lot to do with self-love. And one thing I think is very important is that you can find this self-love for yourself. You can exercise this self-love. And you can exercise this self-worthiness even when you don't feel it. That's one of the biggest keys, I think, to developing that or developing anything in life is to to make a commitment to do something even when you don't, you're not feeling it in the moment. Because anything that I've ever gained traction with and gained momentum in my life, it has been from attempting to do it when I didn't feel like doing it. Eventually I do. You know, one of the most common ones is going to the gym. The first week or two of going to the gym, I do not like going to the gym at all. It's, it's like the last thing I would I would want to be doing with my time. I do want the outcomes. You know, I do want to feel better once I've, you know, made some changes physically, but I don't want to go spend an hour in the gym. That's the last thing I want to do, trust me. <clears throat> but within two, three weeks, I can't see my life without it. I'm actually enjoying being in the gym. You know, I enjoy the time that I'm in the gym. I get to expend that energy and, and uh, take out, you know, whether it be some frustrations or just spending just spending energy that I've got built up, you know, I've especially when I'm not, you know, smoking every day. I got, I've got a lot of energy, and that energy, I, I need healthy uh, outlets that energy and Jim just gets straight to the point. Um, so I just encourage everyone to take that into consideration. I think that I've always been a firm believer. That's why, you know, people around me, they say, uh, oh, I just smoke. It's just who I am. It's just what I do. Or, you know, people that drink socially and that's just what they do. I think it's very unfortunate because uh, it just shows how deep of uh, denial a lot of people are in. Um, I, I can't imagine where I would be if I was in that same level of denial because I know that so long that I've been at this, it, it's been on the back of uh, awareness of it being a problem. Um, the times in between my attempts to, to quit and to change this habit haven't been because I, you know, I thought it was the right thing to do. It's been because of a battle, an internal battle. And um, I think that battle is, is, on a, is on a winning streak with those people who are that deep into denial that they don't even have a problem at all. But if you just look around, I believe that anyone who's addicted to a substance, using it as a coping me- mechanism, there's deep-rooted issues that you're trying to escape from, and it may temporarily, you know, t- temporarily provide a solution.
but then that the problem continues to grow and then you just need more and more of that same substance or stronger substances in order to cover that that void you know cover that uh that issue that you're that you're using the substance to numb uh, that that's why i believe that that the uh, concept of uh gateway drug comes from you know leading to using stronger and stronger substances because as you cover up that problem and that problem festers and and expands and grows within your your uh your life then you need more of that substance and stronger substances especially as you build tolerances in order to continue to hide that that underlying problem uh, another thing to consider is that when you um and this is something that I realized more clearly through this this go around is that a lot, I notice a lot of people will say they feel like you know after a relapse they have to start over, but if that's something that you've experienced or have gone through or are going through, to keep in mind that each time you go through the process you are actually making progress. So you know, uh, if nothing else, it's it's a learning experience to determine what sort of triggers you have, what things um, cause you to to want to use that substance, what things cause you typically to fail and to relapse, things of that nature. Because when you go back, you know, you, you muster the strength in order to reattempt, you have that much more under your belt. So never look at it like, you know, I've gone 30 days and I just... You know, I relapsed and I just, you know, wasted that 30 days and now I'm back at square one because you're, you're never back at square one. You've actually made progress and uh, you have learned things that will help you to continue on that path in order to ultimately get into a healthier space. You know, each and every month, year, it, it gets better and better. And, and I, you know, encourage everyone to take that into consideration that, no matter how long the road, it's it's always getting better. You just sometimes can't see it. And it is very good for, for instilling that, that perspective in your mind because that's the one way it can get you to give up. It doesn't want you to fight. That's the last thing it, it wants you to do because it's got its roots so deep in you that it's comfortable. It's cozy. It doesn't want to be uncomfortable. It, it, does, it doesn't want to change. It doesn't want you to change. So, um, just real quick, some uh, some methods that, that people can actually use when uh, overcoming addiction. One is behavioral therapy. So therapy such as cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, also known as CB, CBT, and uh, motivational interviewing can help individuals address the underlying psychological and emotional issues that contribute to addiction. Um, I, I've, we've said that many times before we've got other episodes on on mentoring on uh, therapy things like that i think that's very important uh even for people who don't think they've got uh, an issue i think it's healthy and if you got a good support system then good for you a lot of people don't and uh, i encourage those people even though society has convinced us and a lot of times our family and our our environment convinces us that that's weak, especially for men. Um, couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, if you don't have a support system, go find one. 
no matter how it makes you feel um, because I just can't say enough about how, you know, how much that is uh, uh, beneficial to, to the fight. That brings me to the next one, support groups, uh, such as Alcohol Anonymous. Um, they've got Narcotics Anonymous, and uh, they've also got Marijuana Anonymous. That's a free app. They've got online uh, Zoom meetings. Um, they've got calls, chat groups, you know, every so often. And very often they have them to meet anyone's schedule where you get on, and you just have conversations. Everyone's got a chance to share their experience, um, and those things can help tremendously. Can't say enough about them. Um, then you also got holistic therapies like yoga, meditation. Paul brought that up last week and on self-love, things like acupuncture, um, hypnosis. And I know a lot of people, you know, if you, if you don't have the money for a professional hypnosis session, they've got, uh, tons of hypnosis, meditation, um, guided meditations, affirmation tapes like that on YouTube, and uh, they even they even specialize for whatever the particular addiction that you're going through, whether it's you know smoking, drinking, um, stronger drugs like opioids, things like that. They've got something for you on YouTube, and you can use that for free. Um, all it takes is the the time. Uh, and the the dedication to you know wanting to get through through the through the problem, you know, marijuana or any substance for that matter doesn't deserve my time, my attention, my energy as much as my kids do. That's just uh, that goes without debate. What's left after that is the fight, you know, it's, and it, it can be uncomfortable. Any fight that we have to go through, especially when it comes to being aware, looking at ourselves in the mirror what we're doing wrong or could be doing differently it's not it's not as comfortable sitting back watching Netflix and scrolling on TikTok a lot of people know how to do both at the same time but they're not willing to look at themselves in the mirror for five minutes and to move into that direction of darkness in order to uncover some truths about themselves and to do anything about it that's very very unfortunate uh, because we have you know, if if we don't have specific loved ones in our lives, there's there's many people in the world who could benefit from hearing your story, from from seeing you as an example of what it looks like to love yourself and to do something uh, better for yourself and your environment. And uh, you know, that that's that's all I've got. And as if that wasn't enough, and I we could always do a part two. And I definitely want to touch on the mental side of things because I believe that's what drives anyone to substance abuse is some underlying uh, issue, whether it be depression, uh, lack of self-love, self-image issues, insecurities, you name it. So um, definitely look forward to going into more depth about that on another episode. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Ray. It's a, um, It's amazing the phenomenal amount of money and lives that substance abuse takes. Uh, I was astonished to hear uh, the the number of people, 3 million just on alcohol, loss of death, uh, half a million on marijuana, uh, and opium. Um, it's incredible. Those, those statistics are, are 
to me, outrageous. And uh, I appreciate you sharing tonight and uh, looking at your challenge in the past 10 years since you would have been with the Discover It Method. Thank you very much. Very informative. Uh, I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, ask Jody if he'd like to say something this evening about substance abuse. And uh, I really appreciate your input and your presentation tonight, Ray. No problem. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Uh, Jody, are you on the line? Yeah, I'm here. How has how has the Discover It method helped you in the past four or five years that you've been with us? Uh, have you had any challenges or situations with uh, substance abuse that you'd like to say anything about? Sure. Um, first, I'd like to thank Ray. That was a great presentation, a lot of good information. I agree with everything you said. And, you know, throughout... I would say throughout my life, for the most part, you know, I've also struggled with uh, alcohol. And uh, back in 2002, I had a DUI um, in the Navy. So, you know, like Ray said, you know, there's so many things that um, kind of glamorize alcohol and glamorize, you know, the whole idea of, like, men being men or, you know, I deserve a beer after a hard day's work and things like that, like, just so many of those little, I guess, stereotypes and things like that. So i definitely seen that in the Navy because the Navy's kind of known for drinking, especially, you know, a long time ago. They've gotten smarter and have tried to get away from that, so they are doing better. Um, but, yeah, for the longest time, you know, I really didn't think it was a problem. And, and people would enable me and say, like, you know, you're just, just going through a phase, you know, it's young, just – experiencing things, things like that. So that type of stuff doesn't really help. And like Ray said, there's a lot of support groups that are very informative and very understanding. Um, But when you have somebody who doesn't struggle with that type of issue, doesn't struggle with the drinking, they don't really understand that type of, uh, I guess, trap that, that can stick you in. So really without talking with somebody who understands, they just don't get it. They just well, like, why can't you just not drink? Or why don't you just drink once in a while? Or how come every time you drink, you have to drink so much? Like, they just don't understand why that kind of happens. And, you know, it's it's just a different uh, pers- perspective. Um, whether it's use- Whether you use it or not, it's definitely highly informative. Uh, just to be able to understand a little bit about maybe yourself or maybe be able to use that type of information in the the past. Um, So I have utilized the uh, support groups and uh, 12-step programs, and there's a lot of parallels in a lot of the 12-step programs, whether you want to do it through um, Alcoholics Anonymous or um, there's a whole bunch of other recovery ones. You can do it through a church. There's there's a bunch of avenues, and they all kind of share very similar type of techniques. And one of the big things, like we talk about here, is just learning to kind of understand yourself more. We talk about uh, rediscovering yourself or the discover of it. 
And that it is, like Ray said, is a, is a big part in, in how it kind of tricks you into thinking it doesn't want you to change. And when someone's been going through addictions, they've been probably doing that for a long time. So that's kind of their normal. And even though it seems kind of insane to other people, um, they're just kind of used to it. And I, I experienced that same thing. So with the support groups, one the big thing we talk about here also is having that accountability, having somebody you can talk to, say you're going to do something, and then follow through. You, we talk about follow through being a big part also. So all those things play into, you know, the, the same thing that we talk about in Discover It. And with the three-step process with identify, confront, and being proactive, you know, you can go and learn all about, let's say, alcohol and all about addiction and, and how it affects you. And you can relate to a lot of that stuff and identify it. And that's kind of what being able to relate to other people in a support group, that's kind of how that all ties in. And then, you know, once you work with somebody in a support group, that's kind of where, you know, you start to confront it. You start to talk about um, yourself and really get into why things happen the way they are and the things that you're doing. And then the big thing is just being proactive, being able to do the work to really identify the things, to really understand them, and then go on and help other people. And that's kind of the, the theme. And with all those, it it really helps you, like I said, stay accountable and really helps you be able to not be tempted, not let that it kind of try to get you to, you know, go back or confront you or uh, uh, what is it? rationalize you into to making another decision or thinking, well, maybe it wasn't that bad because it's, it's very easy to start to think that way and, and you're it to be, well, I can handle it. And I think my biggest thing was I was brought up you can do anything you put your mind to. Um, so it didn't make any sense why I also wouldn't be able to just quit drinking. And I quit drinking for almost 10 years. And uh, I stopped going to my support group. I stopped really talking to other people, and I stopped kind of identifying those past problems I had and really remembering where they came from. So with that kind of just going away, my it just kind of talked me into thinking, like, well, you can do anything you put your mind to. You quit. You have you have control. That's the biggest thing. Your your it'll trick you into thinking. And, you know, it'll lead you – going back into that addiction and that's what happened to me and you know it wasn't really until one I was willing to be proactive and willing to I guess I, I don't think identifying it was really a problem um, it was very quick to to sh show itself so it was just a matter of you know taking that next step and being proactive getting getting active getting in a support group or calling in on a conference call every week, things like that, that really get you to hold yourself accountable. Uh, once you start to kind of get back on your own or disappear or you think you're too busy or things like that, it's very easy for you to just kind of fade back into your own thinking, and that's where, you know, it will get you. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much. Um, you have, you, there are so many different ways just like you and Ray mentioned 
to uh, confront the challenge of alcohol, opium, marijuana, or whatever your substance abuse is. Um, I wish that uh, many people will listen to this podcast and uh, whatever they're suffering from, no matter what it is, uh, you know, get help and uh, also possibly use the Discover It method in the process of getting help many other ways. Uh, Thank both of you for uh, sharing tonight. Ray, you doing the presentation on substance abuse, and uh, Jody, you uh, sharing, you know, your topic and challenge in the past. Uh, Anybody else want to say something before we get off this evening? Yeah, I just wanted to echo that, um, Jody. And I I touched on it a little bit, but you hit it right on the head with the the, um, it convincing you that you've got control. Each time I've gone three months or so and I've relapsed, it's been because of that exact reason. I mean, I related to that as soon as you said it, um, is that, you know, you, you quit, you know, you, you've overcome it. You don't have that problem anymore. You know, you're, you're in control. You've proven that you, you've got the control. So, Hey, if you want to smoke just for one, you know, one night, or if you want to do it on the weekends, you can, because you've got control. And that was, that was my downfall every time. So I just wanted to echo that and, and, and to say that I totally, relate with that for anyone listening to be be aware of that because uh, pride has always been a, a struggle for me. So I think that that's when I heard that people said, you know, once they're an addict, they're always an addict and stuff like that. And I've always thought, like, why are people talking, you know, of themselves like that? It sounds weak. I've always thought it sounded weak. But uh, so much that I'm just I'm learning, and, and these could be two split off to three or four different other podcasts, but you know, just just to piggyback on that, and uh, to to really caution people to be aware of that and to uh, be very careful because uh, these are the things that start you down a path of destruction. No matter how good they sound, no matter how strong they make you feel and powerful, uh, you're never as powerful as you as you are when you stay committed, stay focused, stay on path. You know, keep your values. Things like your family, your goals at the forefront of your, your mind, stay vigilant, stay committed. This, this is true strength, not, oh, I've got the power to go out and do whatever I want. I can smoke when I want, drink when I want. I can, you know, uh, have these relationships and that relationship. That's not, that's the farthest thing from strength or power or any of that. But uh, sometimes it takes us going through hell and back to, to realize it. But, you know, that's the, I thought that was good that you you made that point, Jody. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Ray. And Jody, uh, glad that you shared with us this evening also. All right, gang, go. don't forget next Thursday night, 730, uh, call in at the number 518-992-1035 and access code 655-145. We will see you all next week. Take it easy. Tell your friends, relatives, and even your enemies to be on call next week at 7.30. Thank you.